In the world of recruiting, some people have seen it all. They built recruiting teams from the ground up, hired hundreds of people in the best companies in the world, developed their expertise year after year. I'm Robin Choi, and I'm on a mission to collect their learnings. These are their stories. All right. Hello, everyone. Today I'm with Lindsay Hildebrand. I will be talking about how to recession-proof your talent acquisition team and yourself as a talent acquisition professional. Thanks a lot for being here today, Lindsay. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about yourself first and why we decided on that topic together? Absolutely. And thank you so much, Robin, for having me. And thanks to all the A players out there listening. So a little bit about myself. I've been in the recruiting space now for six years. I've dubbed myself the Swiss army knife of recruitment. I am not Swiss and I also am allowed on airplanes, but nonetheless, I call myself that just because I've had really broad-based experience in a lot of variety of spaces. So agency side started there, like many of us do, doing direct hire from roles, went in-house at a startup, and then most recently was working at Meta supporting their diversity programs there. And why I wanted to bring the idea of recession-proofing your talent acquisition ops to the A-Players podcast is most recently, I've started my own consulting business called Align Acquisition, where I help small companies do just that. And ultimately, my mission is really to support these small companies and recruiting operations everywhere to optimize, make their processes ironclad. But more importantly, weather the storm of this crazy market that habitually swings, as we all know. Yeah. And what we observed in the last six months and again after 2020 is that the recruiting teams are the first one that are affected by layoffs being made redundant, uh, hiring freeze. So that's a very timely question, right? How do you make yourself as a recruiting professional and your team recession proof? So how do you want to tackle this? Uh, How do we start on that very, very important topic? Sure. So I think most importantly, it would be helpful to kind of understand the language of the executives behind it, right? And I think actually one of your episodes that you just recorded on the Recruitment Ops 101 did a really awesome job at touching upon this with being able to speak the language of your hiring managers and the executives that make these decisions, So grounding ourselves in that, obviously, first and foremost, we want to leverage ourselves as strategic advisors to the business, right? We're not a cost center, and we're not just a means of acquiring talent. And I think talent acquisition pros everywhere inherently know this, but it's just a matter of being able to speak that language. And again, these markets are swinging. And so there's a lot out there that talks about operational efficiency, right? And being able to get ahead of the curve when the floodgates do open. but What happens now when the times aren't as good? I also just want to throw out there that the idea of recession-proofing helps us to realize that recruiting and just tech or whatever industry you're in overall is a marathon and not a sprint. So being able to recession-proof yourself is massively important and being able to get to mile two or 22, but also be able to finish at mile 25 or mile 26. And then the last kind of mindset that I'll bring to the audience here is that it's kind of like playing a game of chess versus playing a game of Uno. I'm not sure if you have played any of those two games. (laughs) Yes, we all hate those reverse cards. It feels like a cheap thrill. We hate the wild cards, right? It's, It's something that doesn't have as much strategy to it. 
and can be really frustrating. And some hands are amazing and then other hands are just crap. But instead, being able to play chess, having a strategy, having a mindset behind it is hopefully what we can equip the audience with today. Yeah, being strategic and, and knowing where you go. And that's often what it lacks, uh, what company lacks in the, this year and in 2020 again, because a lot of companies are very reactive when it comes to talent acquisition. So they're just looking at what's happening in the next two weeks. Okay, there's a hiring freeze. We need to slow down on hiring. Let's get rid of recruiters. Oh no, the market's back on. No, we need to hire like crazy. Let's let's hire more recruiters and let's hire agencies. And in the end, it costs us twice as much as if you had kept the, the people in the first place. Uh, so yeah, I see what you mean. The episode that you mentioned is um, A Players 50 with Luke Eaton. It's a great one. Yes. Doing operations. Yeah, I uh, was listening to it this morning and I'm not going to lie, I was fangirling over a lot of what he had mentioned. So if you're a listener hearing me talk about this, after you finish listening to this, go and listen to that because he does a really good job of breaking down the metrics behind it. And today's discussion, I think, will be more of like the broad-based strategy and mindset behind it. But those two together ultimately are a winning combo. And to your point, Robin, like I think a lot of companies have had to be reactive to keep themselves alive. But... Mm. Here we, we here we already have the tools to help them stay alive, ultimately. There's another episode. It's episode 48 with Greg Troxell. I don't know if you listened to this one as well. Of course I did. Uh, that one was an amazing one too. A lot of great metrics shared too. Yeah, and it's also about the like sharing the executive language, uh, something you said as well. What can we say about this, like um, speaking the language of executives? How do we do this? Obviously, listening to that episode together, episode... 48, episode 50, what else can we do? Yeah, and how do we get a seat at the table? Because the first step is just to be heard, right? Absolutely, yeah. So I think listeners should definitely draw upon those episodes to get really good inspiration when it comes to hardcore metrics and being able to create metrics for yourselves. But I think on a more, again, macro and mindset level, I think the secret sauce here is really being able to sum up just how expensive backfilling is. Right. I think there's a metric or a fact out there that backfilling somebody's salary can be or somebody's role is anywhere between 30 to 50% of their salary. And that's not including the time and the cost that it takes to ramp them up and find them. Right. So being able to demonstrate to executives that we are freeing up top line revenue now and we are increasing labor efficiency now is definitely important there. Mm. And beyond that, I think I always like to go with analogies as we are learning, (laughs) hearing me talk here. I reflect back upon the pandemic. I was in New York at the time and companies and restaurants at that time had to be versatile, right? We went and saw these sit-down restaurants suddenly do takeout. We saw them like building these little cabanas out on the street, right? Just to keep business trickling in and funneling. And they survived and some didn't, right? So I think it's being able to storytell in that way to an executive that makes their brain light up, but also helps them to see the picture of pain if they don't decide to go for it. And then the picture of pleasure or success when they do. Mm. And it's stocking dollars as well, right? Every, everything you say is explaining how expensive backfilling is, 30, 50% of salary, trying to put numbers behind talent acquisition. And that's also what we try and do with, uh, with Greg. Like, um, the company is bringing in X amount of revenue and the recruiting team is bringing 100% of the company. So 
in a way, the recurring team is bringing X amount of revenue, 100% of this. So that's exactly true, of course, but uh, there is a way to think about it and to not only talk about the cost, but the opportunity cost as well of the revenue that could be brought in as well. Absolutely. Um, and I think just to add on that really quickly too, like a lot of questions that I'll get are, well, I recruit engineers. Like how do you monetize that or make that a metric, right? And I think mm. very clearly they're the ones who are building the product, right? And maybe in recruiting, they spend X amount of hours interviewing, right? That's X amount of hours taken away from engineering time. And I think the beauty of this all is that all in all, every single recruiter that I've ever met wears a ton of different hats, right? We are connectors, we're interviewers, we're hunters, gatherers, sorcerers, fraud detectors, right? The list goes on and on and on in terms of the different hats that we wear. But imagine presenting yourself to an executive being like, I wear a lot of different hats. A picture you just like putting on hats. Okay, that's a visual. But imagine saying, I'm a Swiss army knife. I'm a tool that can get you out of those really sticky moments and you can leverage me for a bunch of different things to get you out of a bunch of different problems. There's a shift there. And back to versatility, that's during so recently I had a lot of discussions with the head of talents that had to lay off parts of their teams. And one thing that always came back is they'll always keep the people that are most versatile in their team. Specialized people, especially if you don't hire on the role, like someone super specialized in front-end engineers, we're not hiring front-end engineers anymore. So you're you're the first to be like, go, even though you might be the, the most efficient person in the team, the more senior person in the team, you'll be like, go, because you're just not hiring there. So versatility is critical. And it should also be something that's... Uh, so we talk about recession-proofing the team, but obviously all these reflections should happen in any times, even outside of a, of a recession, because that's how you prepare, right? So just be ready to like launch new process, own more things and not be super specialized and just uh, being responsible for hitting that higher targets with no, no link to whatever on the performance of the team or any strategic involvement with the team. Exactly. And as much as I would love to change the job market and how this all works, it's cyclical. So just know that right now, this difficult market is temporary, right? The good times will also be temporary and fleeting too. So as long as we can ground ourselves in that consistently, yeah. success. And that's crazy that people got so caught up with the um, post-pandemic times when we did like in 2022, exactly the same error as in 2020. And I don't believe how that happened. And hopefully this will be an entire generation of uh, executives, entrepreneurs, recruiters who won't do that mistake again, hopefully. But yeah, how did people react in 2020 and then again last year to protect the team, the entire company? And what does recession proofing looks like? Sure. So I think we all saw the layoffs and the furloughs, right? But I think what was also really magical is we saw the leverage of like a lot of thought leaders on LinkedIn being able to share their perspectives and their ideas in terms of what's worked for them or how we should approach things. I also think back to other episodes of this podcast where like Bonnie Dilber, for example, like and Joel Algy, who have gone to building their own personal brands on LinkedIn, right? I think as an individual, that's a smart move to recession-proof yourself, but more broadly, like on a company level, that's been really smart. So I think seeing all of these reactions within it are really helpful. And my mindset that I'd like to share with everybody is that I see talent acquisition ultimately as a vehicle, right? It's a car, let's say. And let's say you buy that car and you use it to go to the grocery store. 
and I'll know the grocery store. At some point, you're going to be like, man, do I really need this like expensive thing collecting dust in my garage and the insurance is really expensive and the gas is so on and so forth, right? And then you decide, you know what, I'm going to go get a bike. I only really need it to get to the grocery store right now. And then I'm sure a bunch of imagery floods in your head. You think, well, what happens when the weather is crappy, right? When there's 15 feet of snow outside or it's like 100 degrees, what then? Or what happens when you want to take a really long road trip? Or when you have people that you want to take from point A to point B with you. And then for anybody that's listening that has tried to purchase a car in the last three years, they know how difficult it is just to go, oh, I'm going to go buy a car now. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing for recruiting teams. And I think that if we're willing to put in the work and put in the time to maintain and leverage those vehicles, I mean... I have a <laughs> I have a Toyota and it lasts forever, right? Because you take care of it and it's built well and ultimately it will take you where you need it to go in a varied ways. Yeah, and recruiting teams that have a close relationship to the company know the company history, the uh, older roles, know people in the company that's extremely valuable and that's very difficult to replicate if you get rid of those people and then you need to replace them again after a year, because there's a lot of implicit knowledge, a lot of, uh, yeah, it's very hard to train. Very. And then even if you find somebody who's absolutely incredible, right, that has nothing to do with your company previously, they probably are going to cost a pretty penny. That mm. are they worth it? I think so. But you could have also have spent the same amount of money on that person who has the institutional knowledge, maybe the non-teachable skills, just inherently present. Right. So getting rid of the recruiting teams, not probably a good long-term decision, especially as everybody knows that the market will pick up again. It will end up in the same situation as uh, like end of 2020, beginning 2021. And we start seeing this as early as now. But anyway, so what are good decisions and how can you actually prepare in a smart way and in a way that most companies don't do and that gets you a competitive edge? Absolutely. I encourage everybody to think of it from the perspective of what you would do on a micro level, right? On a human level, how do we go about preparing for a recession? Maybe you curate your emergency funds, right? You get a little bit of a stash going, a stockpile. You might be diversifying your investments. You might be building a separate stream of income. And then, of course, there's reviewing your spending and cutting costs. So taking that and transferring it over to TA and recruiting, Curating a, an emergency fund, I think we all know how important it is to nurture passive candidates or even past candidates, right? And I'm not saying that those pools of candidates are for emergencies only, but for when it is time to go and it is time to start aggressively hiring, let's say, you have that ready to go. You have the stockpile handy instead of trying to gather and get it all together while everybody else is also trying to get it together. For diversifying investments... I would encourage everybody to also think about investments and money and costs generally, not just as money, but also time. Time is a very important investment and you also can't get it back, right? Once it's gone, it's gone forever. So for an opportunity to kind of look at things differently when it comes to where you invest your time, where can you budget your time or where have you been investing way too much time. And that could be things like, oh my gosh, like we don't spend any time doing anything for our employer brand. Or it's been a while since we've done any managing bias trainings or an accessibility audit of our processes, right? Like 
It's not just where you are investing your time, but where you have not been investing your time for the separate street of income. Again, this is kind of tapping into those new or future pools of talent. But I think you might want to consider different channels. I think we all are really in love and appreciate LinkedIn. Shout out to them. But there are other places to curate talent. There are other job boards. But more importantly, there are things like societies or professional groups that are just waiting for you to develop a relationship with them. So even though you might not have active opportunities for them now, start building those relationships now. And then lastly, with reviewing spending and cutting costs, of course, like everybody's like layoffs. But there are other things that you can do to limit your spending. And I think, again, this is going back to different areas of the funnel and really analyzing what is taking the most amount of time for you as a recruiter. But beyond that, what is taking the most amount of time for the hiring managers and the executives? Like in that episode 50, you were talking about resume reviews as an example. Like, does an executive really need to be spending an hour a week reviewing resumes? I don't have a solid answer to that. But I think organization to organization, we can really be reflecting on that and deciding if that's where we would want to invest our time or if we can cut that out. Hmm. All right. So that's on the an organization level, what can we do on a personal level to recession-proof ourselves as talent acquisition professionals? Sure. Well, I look at it kind of two ways. I think of the short term, how do we weather the storm now, and then the long term. So again, like we were talking, getting it to the end of the recession when things are good again, and then inevitably when we might see another recession. I'll start with the short term level, and I, I would want you to get really clear about where you need to take yourself and your team in the next 6 to 12 months to weather that storm. The biggest area that I see an area of opportunity is employer branding, right? You need to get your name out there. You need to get your company in front of different talent and different customers. And I also want to say that with the caveat that it's all about infusing your specific voice, right? Not just giving the information that you think potential candidates would want, but really showing them who you are and what you're about that's okay, that you might not be for everybody. We have to be okay with that. We have to be willing to put ourselves out there. So I'd say on a tactical level, I would look at things like a job advert versus a job description. I think some people think that they're interchangeable or use the same strategy for both. They're not. And you shouldn't be using the same same strategy for both. So looking at different ways to show up in those spaces. I think there's other employer branding or LinkedIn voices that do day in the life videos. That is an incredible, very low cost way to show company culture. That isn't just, we did a company summit a year ago in a really cool place. Instead, it's really showing people, how do you work on a day-to-day? How can I expect to work with you on a day-to-day? And is this something that aligns for me? And then I'll also just put out there that for employer branding, there are so many different free resources out there to get you as a recruiter started, but then also the company started. So just to give a quick shout out, there's a gentleman out there named James Ellis who does really amazing work in the employer branding space. He has a ton of free resources. Yes, spend some time going through that, but then also map out a social media strategy for your company's LinkedIn page, as an example, using somebody like that as guidance. And James was on A-Players as well and trying to find out. It was episode 14 in October 2020. Early days. I love that. Before it was cool. Um, (laughs) Do we... So 
that's how we can prepare as an individual in the space. Should we, what do you think about like personal networking and even maybe interviewing with other companies or keeping a network of other companies and thinking about what you said about applying what you would do as an individual? So emergency fund, diversify investments, build a separate stream of income. So that could somehow fall into um, separate stream of income, right? Should we start talking to other companies and preparing so that we are always ready with the second step for the, the day we're being laid off? If you have the time, there's no harm in that. I'm a firm believer in that your network is your net worth, right? And it's often in these recession moments that we kind of have that oh shit moment of like, oh gosh, I should have been networking more effectively. But if you're not ready to take that sort of plunge or have that level of commitment, there are other activities that you can participate in. And I think for me personally, I'm all about those meetups and like Slack communities. There are a ton of different ones out there that you just you're getting your name out there, you're getting to connect with people. And if you have time for a coffee chat to help somebody, cool. And if you want to make a connection with another TA or HR professional, or even somebody outside of the HR sphere, and you just want to have yourself on their radar at a really low level of investment, low risk, there's room and there's space for it. And then I think, again, at a bare bones minimum, just content is a wonderful way to get your name out there. You'd be surprised at how many people will just be gravitated towards you, right? For many reasons. And you don't have to actively apply or dust off your resume or get into the conversation mode of presenting your experience because you're just showing up in their feed. Mm. All right. What's a final advice, uh, trick, tip that you want to share to people who want to recession-proof themselves? No, so not, we're not talking about their company, but themselves. Is there any final advice? Mm. Well, I could talk about this sort of stuff for ages and ages, and I could probably go on a lot longer. But I would say final advice is really just to speak the language of the executives, but also play the long game. And if they're not willing to play the long game, play your own long game. Because at the end of the day, we're a bunch of individuals all working together and we have to ultimately do what's best in our interests. So if you can find the time to supplement your own long game, and it also happens to supplement the company's long game, win-win, trying to come up with those wins for all. But it is also important to do your best to recession-proof yourself and the right organization will acknowledge and value that. All right. So think about, and that's that's also something that we hear all the time, right? You might be the best recruiter if the company is not right for you or if they're not helping you progress in your career or making sure that you, that you can uh, become a better professional and, and just change companies, right? Yeah. I think there's a, a saying out there that says, I'm totally going to butcher it, but it's something to the effect of like, you should either be learning in the role or you should be getting compensated in the role. And the best opportunities give you both. But if you're not having either, it's time to move on. So hold that in your hearts and let that be your guide, whether it's a recession or not. Yeah, that's true as well. Thanks a lot, Lindsay. Thanks for sharing all that advice. And uh, where can we find you if we want to hear more about yourself and about that content you're producing as well? Of course. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. So feel free to shoot a connection or a message. And uh, if you want to learn more about Aligned Acquisition, you can visit www.alignedacquisition.com. Well, do then. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Hey there, this is Robert. 
most of our listeners come from word of mouth. So thanks a lot for your support. And if you enjoy the players, please keep on sharing it with your team and friends. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you can't wait, follow me on LinkedIn for more content on recruiting. Talk to you next week.